0: Ah, it's good to see you all. You, got, you, got, you all here this morning, come together, worship God, hear the Word, worship God again. We're in the middle of this uh, series on uh, worship that we're doing, taking a break from the book of Luke, so we're mixing things up a little bit, uh, putting the sermon a little closer up front, and we're going to get into another set, uh, another time of passionate worship here in a moment, or a, not uh, a half hour or so. Um, but I'm Greg Boyd, I'm the senior pastor here at Wendell's Church, it's so good to see all of you here this morning. I say hi to you. I say hi to the podcasters, God bless you podcasters. Wish you were here worshiping with us because we've been having a good time the last couple weeks, Uh, but it's good to have you tuned in as well. If you're visiting for the first time, I want to give a special welcome to you. Hello. Also, starting this week and continuing on from here on, we'll have a two CD worship set available for people um, that, that, that are live worship songs here at Woodland Hills Church. We've recorded these over the last six months. Uh, and we're giving them at the cost that it required for, that cost us to make them, which is $8. And uh, as many as possible, I know everyone can't afford $8, but if it's possible, will would you, would you get this CD? And the reason is because uh, we're moving into this new phase of worship, and it's the fact that you can worship better if you know the songs real well. And we know that a lot of the songs we play aren't played on KTIS. And even those that are, some people don't listen to KTIS, which is the only major Christian radio station in this area. Um, and God bless them, but some of our music doesn't come from that culture. So we encourage you, if possible, to get this uh, a two-CD set. One, one CD is about praise, uh, which is more celebrating who, uh, what God has done, and the other one's on worship, which is more exalting who God is. And uh, listen to those CDs and play them in your car and other things like that. So that's available after the service. We are doing a uh, four-part series here uh, on worship. We're going to finish this up next week, and we'll be taking communion next week. Um, But we felt the need to take a break from the book of Luke. We told people that we'd be doing this once in a while. Uh, We we normally just kind of go right through a book of the Bible, and so we're in the middle of a couple-year study on Luke. But we want to take a break to talk about worship, praise, and worship. Praise being celebrating what God does. Worship being extolling who God is. Um, we felt the need to do that because it, we just sort of sensed that the intensity and passion of our praise and worship had gone down a notch or two. And we really sensed that God wanted to call us back, not just call us back to where we were, but to call us beyond that, and to take us as a congregation deeper into praise and worship, to understand the, the, the theology and vision of worship, and the urgency of worship, And so the last two weeks we've been talking about this, and we're going to continue it this week. I, in preparation for this, as I mentioned before, uh, just did this exhaustive study on the Bible, what the Bible says about praise and worship. And uh, looked at every verse that directly or indirectly deals with worship and praise. And what I'm trying to give here is sort of a, a distilled version of that to call us into deeper, more passionate worship. And I want to say that I think the last two weeks have been spectacular in terms of, of uh, the, the passion of our praise and worship. Uh, it, it's been a, a Kodak moment. Let's freeze frame this. This is the bullseye of what we're looking for. Now, the challenge will be not to forget this and not to kind of slip back into old ways of doing things. Uh, but it's powerful. And it's not just about... You can't measure it by external measuring devices, asking how many people are raising their hands or how loud are people or who's got their eyes closed. You can't really assess it that way. It's really a matter of, of asking the question, is God, is God in this place? Has God showed up? Because when our hearts and minds are in line with God and we're focused exclusively on God, it opens up the floodgates of heaven and the power of God comes down. And, the, and our worship and praise becomes, goes from being a sing-along to a God-encounter moment. And the kingdom begins to happen. And when the kingdom begins to happen, beautiful kingdom stuff begins to take place. God is glorified, but people are changed. I've had two testimonies of people who've said that strongholds in their marriages were broken in the middle of a worship service. The last two weeks. Amen. A number of other people have just said that they've never experienced anything like this. There's a power. There's a presence. One person said they couldn't stop crying. Another person said they couldn't stop laughing. They just encountered the joy of the Lord in a way they hadn't known before. Uh, um, We we are transformed in the midst of worship. And so this is a matter of of urgency. By way of review, here's what we've covered so far. Worship and praise is most fundamentally about ascribing worth to God. We're just saying and singing and expressing what is true about God. Here's your worth. And since God is worth everything and is the source of of all that is worth anything, worship by definition must be passionate. Uh, Worship that lacks passion is to that degree, not worship. Worship by definition must be passionate. Worship by definition involves commitment, resolve. Worship by definition at least sometimes requires sacrifice because there will be, certainly will be times where it is just not convenient to worship. You're not in the mood to worship. The circumstances of your life are such that you don't feel like worshiping and it feels like sacrifice to make the choice to worship. But as we said last week, those moments are are, are quintessential worship moments precisely because they involve sacrifice. Because you're saying sacrificially that God, you are bigger than, worth more than whatever other problems I have going on in my life, whatever other issues I'm dealing with in my life, whatever other distractions are there in my life, God, you're more important right here, right now than any of them. Worship is therefore about focus. Focus. It's about where our minds are focused and where our hearts are focused in the now. This moment, do we make the choice to put aside everything else and focus 100% of our energy and our attention on Jesus Christ and lift him up. And to the degree that we do that, but only to the degree that we do that, we are worshiping God. We're ascribing worth to God. We're reflecting accurately the worth that he has in our life. We said last week or the week before that we worship God because he's God. That's all you need to know. He's God. Uh, We worship God because... He's worthy. We worship God because he's good. We worship God because he's holy. We worship God because it's commanded right up there where thou shalt not commit adultery is thou shalt worship. We worship God because uh, we're, this is what we're created and redeemed to do. Uh, this is what we will be doing throughout eternity. And this isn't about bowing before a, an ego-needy cosmic astronaut uh, who we're afraid is going to squish us. Rather, Uh, It's about dancing with the one who is life itself, joy itself, peace itself, love itself, beauty itself. All that is worthwhile. He is the source of all that. And when we worship him, we're simply acknowledging that. And in the process of acknowledging that, we're participating in that. And that's why worship is so life-giving. We worship and praise God because it glorifies God. But when we do that, get get our minds off of ourselves and our circumstances and glorify God, we find that there's a lot of things that happen to us. Worship is incredibly impacting in our life. When we worship God, we enter into the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we come into the presence of God, things can happen that can't happen any other way. There is such a power and intensity to corporate worship. When everybody is in line and everyone's made the commitment to focus on God, there is a power Uh, that happens in our midst. A kingdom reality descends upon us. And so we enter the presence of God. And when you enter the presence of God, as we said uh, earlier uh, in the weeks past, our hearts get encouraged. People are brought out of despair and hopelessness and anxiety. When we enter the presence of God, uh, it transforms us. The theoretical beliefs of our head become experienced realities in our life. We don't just know about God, we, we come in contact with God. We experience the reality of God. At least there are times where that can happen. And when we enter into praise and worship and God inhabits the praises of his people, we're engaged in spiritual warfare. Because as, as I said last week, the, the, the principalities and powers of the world and the demonic presences of this world, they are as terrified of the presence of God as cockroaches are to light, as I so eloquently made the point last week. And they scatter like cockroaches when you turn the light on. Uh, That's what we're doing when we enter into authentic, passionate praise and worship. And it may be that you in particular aren't in the middle of a major battle right now, but your neighbor to your right and to your left, or someone in this auditorium undoubtedly is. So not just for our sake, but for others' sake, we we need to make the commitment to enter into passionate worship. Maybe you don't need to be further transformed because you are the one arrived... Person in this auditorium. You are just conformed to the pattern of Jesus Christ. Praise God for you. But the rest of us are still on our way. So for our sake, bless us by entering into into worship and and creating a a, a gateway for the for the power of God to come down. We have a responsibility to one another as well as to God and to ourselves to urgently, passionately, and with a, a focused mind enter into praise and worship. And when we do that, in fact, those who are not committed disciples, those who are still on the fence. Uh, there's a form of evangelism that can happen in praise and worship that can't happen any other way. Uh, When when we have our hearts and minds aligned and aren't blocking the spirit by thinking about other things, but we're enabling the spirit to come down into our midst by having a focused mind, the presence of God can, if a person's heart is at all open to God, they can feel the impact of that. And stuff can happen when the power of God comes down that can't happen in a sermon. Sermons I can say stuff about God. But in, in war times of passionate worship, these folks can encounter God. And it can happen that they're brought into the kingdom, not because of anything that is said, but simply because they sense, they, 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 can, they can pick up on the, the tangible, beautiful, sweet, sweet presence of Jesus in our midst. So for their sake, we need to focus our minds and attention on God. What I want to do now is... Look at the biblical pattern of worship. This is going to be practical stuff, real nuts and bolts stuff. Uh, some of you, if you've been here for a couple of years, this will mostly be a review. Uh, but others have not been here uh, for, for three or four years, and so the, some of this stuff may be very, very new. I want to look at the biblical pattern of worship, the diversity of, of ways of worshiping God, the how-to of worship. And so I want to entitle this message, The Diversity of Praise and Worship. And as I get into it, I want to uh, start with a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, descend on us in your glory and your power and open our minds and open our hearts and set us free. Call us out of the Egypt of our past tradition, the Egypt of our prejudgments, the Egypt of our inhibitions to freely and passionately enter into praise and worship, to dance with you freely. Lord, let this be a time that instructs us and empowers us to with our heart, mind, body, and soul enter into worship of you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Eight points I want to make very quickly. Eight points. Point number one. According to the biblical pattern, worship can be with old songs or they can be with new songs. And there's no scale on which one is better. There's no place in the body of Christ for saying that the real spiritual stuff are the old songs or the real spiritual stuff is the new songs. You can worship God with old stuff and with new stuff. You can worship God with ancient hymns. You can worship God with Gregorian chants. You can worship God with, with Kirk Franklin and contemporary gospel music. Uh, it doesn't really matter if it's, if, it's, if it's done to ascribe worth unto God. In fact, when the Bible uses a new song, what that phrase means actually is creating on the spot a new song. So, David says this I will sing a new song to you, my God, on the 10 stringed lyre, which is simply a guitar. I will make music to you. I will make music to you. I'll sing a new song. Uh, it sometimes happens in our worship services where Norm or some other worship leader, the band will be playing and he'll just say, Sing unto the Lord. Uh, make a new song to the Lord. And I know there are people here who don't understand what that really means, and, and, and they wonder to themselves, well, how are we supposed to sing if you don't have the lyrics on the screen? But what Norm or the other worship leader is saying is simply this. On your own, express to God what is on your heart. Uh, just sing to the Lord uh, uh, Spontaneously. Uh, you can sing according to the melody, or you can sing off tune. It doesn't matter. You can sing with the rhythm. You can sing not with the rhythm. You can just say the words if you want. You can burp the words for all I care. If it's done, as, as, as towards God, to ascribe worth unto God. How a burp would do that, I don't know. But the Bible says make a joyful noise, and that's a noise. So, so, but see, it, it, it's about it's about expressing on your lips what is true in your heart. Make, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so there are times where... When when the worship leader asks us to do that, I just start saying things like, Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are glorious. Lord, you are beautiful. You're the king of kings. Lord of lords, we just praise you. And, and, And you just say what is on your heart. That's making a new song unto God. You don't have to do that. It's not like a rule, but you're invited to. It's part of the biblical pattern of worship. Secondly, worship can be quiet and reflective. In fact, worship can be completely silent. Dozens of times we read things like this, Psalm 71, where David says, I will praise you with the harp. That's a very mellow instrument, very quiet. I will praise you for your faithfulness, my God. Uh, Worship can be very serene and quiet and reflective. Uh, These are times where I sometimes like to frame it as the, the time where we individually, if we're on our own or collectively, if we're together, it's where we romance the Lord. There can be a romantic dimension to worship where we just say to the Lord in a tender, soft, quiet way what is on our heart, what he means to us, and thank him for what he's done for us. In the same way that a husband and wife need to have times where they sit down and they just say, I love you, and they just communicate their love to one another. And it can be very repetitious because it's not about conveying information. It's rather about expressing over and over again what's on your heart. There needs to be times, so also there needs to be times For us individually when we're worshiping on our own or collectively when we're here together or in our small groups where we just romance the Lord. We get intimate with Jesus. I encourage people to to do this. It says in in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that when we yield to the Spirit of God, he removes a veil in our mind that allows us to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now as we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. And so there's, we have an ability to see in our mind things that non-believers can't see. And so in these times of romancing the Lord, these intimate, quiet times, I encourage people to, in their minds, imagine what we're singing about and who we're singing it to. And tenderly just say the words to him and lift him up and exalt him. So worship can be quiet. It can be reflective. But it can also be loud and celebratory. And this is point number three. Now, being loud is not more spiritual than being quiet, and being quiet is not more spiritual than being loud. They're just both different ways of praising and worshiping God. I come from a background, kind of a Pentecostal background. Some of you are from a Pentecostal background. And, and whereas, you know, the, uh, you know in my, in my Catholic background being quiet was the spiritual way to do it, and my Pentecostal background being loud was the spiritual way to do it. I mean, if you weren't shouting and running the aisles and jumping up and down and screaming at the top of your lungs, you just weren't sanctified. You, you didn't have the Holy Ghost on you. But we don't want to go there. This isn't some kind of worship contest about who's spiritual. But we do want to be free. And and that means we we, we need to be okay worshiping God quietly and serenely with beautiful, soft music. But also okay sometimes if it gets a little bit rowdy. That's biblical too. Look at this. Right after David says, I will praise him with the harp. He says, my lips will shout. Everybody say shout. Shout. Everybody shout, shout, shout. Shout. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I, whom you have redeemed. I've been redeemed. How can I not shout about it, David is saying. Praise our God, he says, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Okay, so here David is saying, crank up the volume. Uh, let people hear the fact that you're, you're praising God. Elsewhere he says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. That's like a trumpet in the ancient days. Ta-da! We'll put, blow that ram's horn, make some noise, shout for the, the joy before the Lord, the King. Dozens and dozens of times you'll find throughout the Bible, the encouragement to shout, the encouragement to, to, to be noisy, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And we need to take that seriously. Now, I know a lot of us come from backgrounds Whereas part of my background was, was putting a kind of spiritual premium on that. Others come from backgrounds where that was totally inappropriate. You've been in churches, perhaps, where you say amen to something the preacher says, and every head in the auditorium turns and looks at you. What did you just do? I tried to go to church like that once, and it was just, amen. Sorry, 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 sorry. You know, it's just... And, and so sometimes people, people, you know, have buzzers about that. It just seems, and then, then, then we interpret it according to our buzzers. It's like, this seems disrespectful. This seems too, you know, rowdy. Just seems carnal. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, it just seems inappropriate. Uh, one person asked me a while back, what, what, you know, when people whistle in church, isn't that just sort of inappropriate? It seems like you're making cat calls to God. And it just doesn't seem, um, but see, the Bible says make a joyful noise. And a cat call, which is like when you go, "No, I can't do that." That's why I have a whistle. I carry a whistle with me, but 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 it's a noise. <laughs> I like making noise. It's good to make noise. It's appropriate to make noise. The, the thing is this: the Bible really is simply saying this. Be natural. Don't let there be a bunch of rules that inhibit you being natural. And by that, I mean this: when you're really excited about something, it's natural to express it. You go to football games and there's people going hog wild over a pigskin going over a chalk line uh you go to a basketball game there's people just shouting for joy or getting crazy or whatever because someone put a ball in a hoop uh or a hockey game someone put a rubber thing in a net and everyone's going crazy you know nutso you look at wall street once in a while and when when somebody makes a million dollars they start clapping they start making all this kind of noise Now, if you can do that over a stupid million dollars or a puck going in the net or a ball in the hoop or a pigskin over an end zone, what are you supposed to do when you find out, when you remember that you've been redeemed? I mean, shout for joy. Shout for joy. Uh, Honestly, honestly. A measly million dollars and the person's acting crazy. Well, I have gotten an inheritance that will last forever. Don't tell me to be quiet. Uh, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I've been redeemed. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am a friend of God. You know, and and he's blessed me so much. How How can I keep quiet about that? And so this is just the Bible's way of saying, remember what God has done for you and express that. And there's got to be a place in worship where we have times that are quiet and serene and tender, also times where we just celebrate what God has done for us. We remember it, and we enter into that with joy. So praise can be loud, and it can be celebratory. That can include, point number four, clapping your hands. Praise can include clapping your hands. Over and over again, we hear this in the Bible. Clap your hands, all ye nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Clapping our hands is a form of praising God. It's it's making a joyful noise unto God. It's just an appropriate way to do that. Um, It's a way of celebrating who God is, whether we do it to the rhythm of music or whether we do it between songs. It's just a way of saying, yay, God. Now, we're not saying. See, in the broader culture, when musicians stop a song and everyone claps, in the broader culture, that's a way of saying, good job, wonderful, you entertained us. That is certainly not what we're doing here. The worship leaders don't want you to be going, good job, really, you know, entertained by that. They want you to be going, God, good job. Uh, it's about God. We're cheering for God. We're celebrating God. We're expressing our agreement with whatever song we just sang. We're saying, yes, we are with that. And it's an appropriate thing to do. Now, it's not a spiritual requirement. It's not like you're more if you clap than if you don't clap. But we need to have the freedom to clap and express that to the Lord. Point number five, worship and praise can include lifting hands. David says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift my hands. In Psalms 134, he says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Uh, We sing a song that's based on this psalm. In fact, a lot of our songs come right out of the Bible. Uh, We sing the song, I lift my hands in the sanctuary. I lift my hands to give him the praise. I lift my hands to give him the glory, and I will praise them all the rest of my days. Yes! I will praise them all the rest of my days. See, we lift our hands. And that's important. A lot of times people come here and they go, why are you lifting hands? And then they interpret it according to whatever frame of reference they have. And some people thought that if you lift your hands, you're like showing off. I am spiritual or something like that. It's not about that. We lift our hands because it's a biblical injunction to do that. We lift our hands as a form of surrender. We lift our hands to exalt the, the, the Lord. And it's a good thing to do. Now, you're not more spiritual if you do that than if you don't do that, but you need to be free to do that because it's part of the biblical pattern. And what you find is this. Folks, we are are, what's called uh, psychosomatic unities. We are psychosomatic beings, which means just this. Our spirit and our body are interwoven together. What you do with your body affects your spirit and vice versa. It's all wrapped up together. So when you, the more you can get your body involved in worship, it's going to release something in your spirit. And so while we don't have a rule about lifting hands or anything like that, I want to encourage you to do that at times. And if it's the first time you've ever done it, because you come from the background where well, that is not allowed, now you know biblically it's allowed. So give yourself permission and try that. You can start off with, we used to call it the whole, you know, the Baptist charismatic kind of way of doing it. Start like this, you know. It, Start a little pinky. Yeah. Is anyone looking? And he 's you know. He's, okay. And the Holy Spirit will kind of like lift your hands up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get it up there. Get it up there. And, but see, try that, and you may find. You may find. Some people have testified that. It seems like, a, like an external thing, a trivial thing, but in fact, what you do with your body affects your spirit. And by lifting your hands, you may find that something in your spirit gets more surrendered than it ever was before. And you may find that your, your capacity to really focus and exalt God is more than it was before. So we, lifting hands in the sanctuary and in praise and worship of God is something that's very appropriate for the people of God to do. Point number six. If five was a stretch for some people, six is really going to be a stretch. There you go. Worship and praise can include dancing. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Praise him with timbrel and dancing, the psalmist says. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Isaiah says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Dancing is a biblically appropriate way to honor God. God. Um, rhythm, folks, rhythm is a God thing. God gave us rhythm. It's a gift from God. Now, some of us are more blessed than others. I know that. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. But it is natural to express with our body what is true in our spirit. And and when there's music, it's natural to move to the rhythm. I can't help myself, frankly. When there's a good beat and it's getting, you know... it's just Starks. It's just the body was wired to do that. I see. Now maybe you're not like that. Ken Garborg, God bless you, the most rhythmically challenged man I've ever met in my life. And I love you, brother. Uh, you know, dancing doesn't have to be rhythmic. You, you can just, you know, I've seen you on the dance floor. Just do, do what you do there. That's okay. I will bless you with that. Whatever. <laughs> this is called the spastic dance for Jesus. That's all right, it doesn't have to be rhythmic. But see, to just express in your, in, with your body what is true. To take your whole body, your hands, use them to praise God. Your lips, use it to praise God. Your feet, use them to praise God. Everything about us is to be given uh, a, a God-directed movement in praise to him. Uh, the Bible also talks about worshiping God on our knees. The Bible talks about worshiping God laying on the ground. In fact, the word worship means to get low, to lay prostrate on the ground. And so we want to be okay with that. If you see someone doing that, don't have another thought about it, just keep your mind focused on Jesus Christ and lift it up. Maybe you've never seen that before in church. Maybe it's kind of freaking you out right now. Well, let it go. Let it go. Here's where you make this, the commitment and sacrifice of praise to keep your mind focused on Jesus Christ. Now, at the same time, be aware of other people when you worship God. We want to have appropriate boundaries here. So, you know... Uh, it's okay to, like, get out of the chair, get in the aisle. That's an okay thing to do. I personally don't know how people worship in the middle of those rows. It's so confining. <laughs> There's no room to do this. Uh, so sit on the end if you're one of the movement kind of people. But don't be drawing attention to yourself. Uh, you know, just, just have some... Uh, I, I was in a worship service once where a person got out a banner and was kind of doing this, and God bless them. That's okay, that's okay. But then whap, somebody right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure they're just, you know, getting blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But everyone else is going, help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. (laughs) So you want to be, you know, appropriate. Dancing kind of in your environment, or if you want to go off to the side where, you know, you can go on your own. But we encourage that, to be free about this. There's also a time, and we're going to be moving into this this year, where there are people who can be gifted at choreographed dancing, where they interpret a, a song uh, through dance. And that is also another way of, of blessing the people of God. But the worship and praise can include dancing, praise God. Number seven, worship and cra- praise can be instrumental. It doesn't always have to have words to it. And I say this because it... It uh, has happened where once in a while in our worship set, a musician will, will do a little solo. And I, I've had, and Norm's had people who ask questions like, why, why do you have a person showing off their, their abilities in the middle of a, a, a worship service? That seems utterly inappropriate." But see, they're not showing off their abilities. They're praising God. Listen to this. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Apparently the sound of a trumpet praises God. Praise him with the harp and lyre or, or the guitar. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipe. Praise Him, here's my favorite, praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. When you crash a cymbal, and you're doing it as an expression of praise to God, it's an act of worship. The sound of cymbals, the sound of trumpets, the sound of a ram horn, the sound of a guitar uh, worships God when the intention and the focus of the person doing it Godward. And so it is appropriate to take people who are skilled, who put time and effort into fine-tuning their musical skills and to have them offer that up to God. And we just join with them in offering up that praise to God. And it's not about drawing attention to them at all. It's about drawing attention to God, the one who gave us music, the gift of the guitar, the gift of the drums and the cymbals, the gift of people who are able to play these things skillfully. And so they just honor God with that. And so on occasion, we will be doing that. And just join with the person uh, who's, who's uh, worshiping God on the guitar, or the drums, or whatever instrument as they're doing a solo. Just worship God along with them. And number eight, finally, number eight. Worship and praise should be culturally diverse. Yes. It says this in Revelation chapter 7. Here John is having a vision of the coming kingdom and he says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, praise God, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here, in the vision of the coming kingdom, when the kingdom has fully come, all the scattering that happened at the Tower of Babel is going to be reversed. And the people of God are being brought together. Amen? And, and they, they bring their unique culture, their unique uh, language, their unique uh, all the unique aspects of their tribe or nation, and they together are worshiping God. Now look at this verse, chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. The nations will walk by its light. This is the light of the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. He's talking about the splendor of their nation into the heavenly city. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. When the kingdom is fully come, folks, you see, there is a unique glory, the Bible says, to each nation. There's a unique glory to each culture, a unique splendor. To, the, 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 to each tribe. Their way of worshiping God, their way of dressing, their way of playing music, their, their way of eating, there's a unique glory there. And all of that together reflects the multifaceted uh, beauty of God. A beauty of God, a multifaceted beauty of God that can't possibly be expressed in any single culture. It requires the togetherness of the diverse cultures for all that beauty to be, to be uh, reflected back to God. And it'll be so beautiful, John is saying, that when all the kings bring the glory of the nations into uh, this heavenly city and they're used to worship God, it'll be so bright though it's never going to be any more night. The brightness, the multifaceted brightness will go on and on. Now, so so what's happening is this. At the Tower of Babel, the peoples were were scattered, and now diversity became a problem. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God is poured out, everyone hears the people speaking in tongues, uh, but they hear them according to their own language. And what the Spirit is saying to us there is this. When the Spirit of God shows up, when the kingdom of God is happening, um, Babel will begin to be reversed, praise God. And uh, whereas the once the people were scattered and the diversity was a problem, now that diversity is going to become part of the beauty of this kingdom, and the Spirit of God will bring us together. And I'll realize this when the kingdom has fully come; that will be happening in a perfect way. Our job, kingdom people, is to reflect now everything that will be true later on. We're called the first fruits for that reason. We're the fruit that is picked first. We put on display the future of the world, the the future that God is heading to. We're to be modeling to the world what the kingdom looks like and giving a sneak preview of heaven, what it will look like when the kingdom is fully come. So if, when the kingdom is fully come, worship will be diverse, therefore, now, worship should be diverse. We anticipate the coming, the coming together of the different people's groups insofar as that is possible. God is glorified by the diversity in a way that he's not when you're worshiping in a monocultural way. Monocultural, a single cu- culture kind of worship, that's still worshiping God, but you're missing one very, very, very important aspect of worshiping God and the beauty of God, and that is about the diversity. There's a beauty in div- diversity in and of itself. And that beauty will be perfectly manifested when the kingdom is fully come. But our job is to, as much as possible, manifest that now. Now, there are practical obstacles to this. You can't manifest every culture because there's so many of them. Uh, you certainly can't manifest every culture on any given Sunday. So we tend to kind of group them according to Sundays. Uh, there's, there's, there's obstacles in terms of musical skills. Most musicians can play one or maybe two different cultural styles, uh, but it's really a stretch to, to try to learn other cultures. So it takes time. And, and we're just inching forward on this. But the, the, the fundamental point is this, as much as possible, we wanna be embracing a diversity of, of styles and a diversity of worship music. This challenges most people's idea of worship in a huge, huge way. Because the truth is that most people have a monocultural understanding of worship. They have a preference-driven theology of worship. Studies show that most people, for most people, the worship style is one of the top two or three criteria they use in determining where they're going to go to church. The question they ask is, do I prefer this kind of music? Do I like this kind of music? Does this kind of music uh, come natural to me? But see, what we need to have is not a preference-driven worship, but a vision-driven worship. And the vision is Revelations chapter 7, where all the different tribes and all the different people and all the different language, uh, languages and all the different music styles were brought together. Uh, this, is, this challenges us. It, challenge, it challenges a fundamental assumption that most people have, and that is that I have the right to go to a church where I get to hear my kind of music. I'm here to tell you folks that you don't have that right. You're certainly not going to get it here. Uh, Because we don't have preference-driven worship. We want to have vision-driven worship. And that means that all of us have to be willing to be stretched. It may mean that we have to try very hard. This is part of the sacrifice of praise. We have to try very hard to get into a music style that doesn't come natural to us. Maybe that we don't even care for very much. Uh, Maybe one that we don't even understand. But if we know that there are other people who are getting blessed by this, and that's part of the beauty of of God, the diversity is part of the beauty of God, therefore, we put on the back burner our preference in this moment. Keep our minds and hearts focused on God and work hard to get into it as much as possible. Just keep your eyes focused on God and and, and sing along with it as much as you can. Dance along with it as much as you can. And maybe that's pretty pathetic, but it's not pathetic if it's to God. He delights in that. Most people are preference-driven. You know, people visit... The church now and then, uh, actually quite a bit, and some of them, a small percentage, like to give report cards. Uh, so I get, e- I get interesting emails. Uh, and, uh, you know, what they like, what they didn't like. And, and the one I got recently said this. Came and evaluated, liked what went on in the gathering area, liked, you know, the way this building set up, liked your preaching, had a good point here, not sure about that point, but, you know, pretty much B-plus, basically. He didn't say that, but that was kind of what he was saying. But the worship... Because you know, the worship was another thing, and here's what he said. He, he said, uh, uh, "What I what I heard was this, and this this is the phrase he used. Uh, when it came to worship, uh, what I saw was much people using a tribal beat to drive people into an emotional frenzy. <laughs> a tribal beat. I'm not even going to ask what he means by that. Unsurpassable worth, unsurpassable worth. Lord bless him. Uh, but see, he's com- he's coming at it. For, he he doesn't realize it. Uh, but but he's coming at this from a monocultural myopic perspective and his social conditioning is such that he identifies that as quote unquote tribal and therefore if people are excited that must just be an emotional frenzy and who knows what buzzers he's got going on but see uh Unless this person could come to the point where they say, you know what, that's how I was trained to hear this, but maybe there's more going on than what I was trained to see. Maybe my own tribalism doesn't, isn't the beginning and end all of what is accurate and profound worship. Maybe there's something I can learn by listening to how other people worship God. Maybe I need to learn to, to be stretched, and, and even though it, it, it confronts some of my buzzers, to let those buzzers go and get rid of my own preference-driven worship and start getting into vision-driven worship and letting this be a sneak preview of heaven. That's what the people of God need to be doing, and so... Amen. It means we have to learn to be stretched. And it's very hard for us in our fallen tribalism, but it's the it's requirement to come and let ourselves be stretched. And on any given Sunday, you may have a lot of what you do like. On another Sunday, maybe a lot of that you don't like. But that's the diversity of the body of Christ. And, and we're, you know, you may think it's real diverse now, but in fact, we're just starting to inch towards this, folks. Uh, and, and there's a beauty in it. We have to see the beauty of the diversity and put it as a greater priority than our preference. As I ask the choir to come back up, the band to come up, and the ushers to get ready, we're going to get into another time of worship here, another 30 minutes. Here's the challenge. Will you, right now, make the choice, in the back, in the front, everyone else, make the choice to focus on the Lord? Uh, To put aside every other distraction, every other concern, every other consideration, whatever else is going on in your life, it may be big. It may be very hard for you to do this. That's okay. That's why it's worship. You're saying, God, you are worth more than those things. Those problems will be waiting for you when we're done, so don't worry about them. They're not going to go away. So for right now, just make the choice. Make the choice to ascribe worth unto God. And with all your mind and all your heart and all your body and all your strength and all your soul, let's ascribe worth to him. Lord, you are worth this. And as we do that, just know that the Spirit of God is going to inhabit this place and strongholds are going to be broken and people are going to be set free. We'll start by taking up an offering because offering is the quintessential worship. It's about sacrifice. In the Bible, it was the center of worship. So we'll start by taking up an offering. Please stay seated until that is done and then Norm will have us rise to our feet. But do it. Give the offering and sing and praise as an act of ascribing worth unto God. So Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, draw our minds, draw our hearts to be 100% focused on you and on nothing else. And draw us into profound, passionate, sold-out, abandoned worship of you. And Lord, inhabit the praises of your people. Let your Spirit descend on us right here and right now as our hearts are focused. In Jesus' name, amen. talking about when our hearts and minds and lives are just poured out in worship of him He inhabits the praises of his people and i just know that there were bondages broken here this morning right now in the last 30 minutes people said free amen but more important than that god was glorified and that's what we're created and saved to do praise god it's beautiful this is beautiful i pray every time we come together it's with that commitment just know resolve it in your heart that the focus is going to be on him And I encourage you throughout the week to find times where you just worship the Lord on your own, whether in the car or in your bedroom or wherever it may be, and in your small groups. We need to be a people who are in every way, shape, and form reflecting the glory of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Uh, Could I ask the prayer teams to come forward at this time? And if you are here this morning and have any need whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, uh, I encourage you to come forward and pray with these folks. Um, Or you can just come and kneel at the altar and pray on your own if you want. If you're here this morning and you're not surrendered to Jesus Christ, He's not your Lord and Savior, you need Him to be. You really do. And so I implore you, uh, as the service is dismissed, to come forward here and and talk to the folks up here, and they'd love to explain to you what it is to become a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we leave this place, we do it acknowledging that You are the great God, whose glory fills the heavens. And, Lord, we want to be mirrors of that glory and dance in your life and love in every way, shape, and form. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, we do it with a heart that's committed to you. We pray, Lord God, that you would be continually drawing us into times, individually and collectively, where where we have focused uh, adoration of you. Teach us to be a people who just explode in praise and who find the delight and joy in that. And, Lord, let your sweet aroma be on us as we leave this place to impact the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go out and build the kingdom.